It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there, but how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. Are you looking to grow your real estate investing business? Fortune Cribs can help. Fortune Cribs helps investors buy short-term rentals in select markets around the country for as little as 10% down with cash-on-cash cash returns in the 20 to 30% range. Fortune Cribs will design, furnish, and manage all the day-to-day -day operations, making your experience truly hands-off. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your real estate investing journey, whether you're trying to get your first deal or scale your portfolio, Fortune Cribs can help. So if you want to take the next step, go to fortunecribs.com and book your free consultation to see how Fortune Cribs can best help you. Once again, that's fortunecribs.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Eric Oliver. And today we are the two smart assets. For those not yet familiar with Eric, he is a cost segregation expert and brings with him a passion for identifying cost savings and educating commercial real estate owners on the benefits of cost segregation. Eric, sir, it's great to see you. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Danny. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on, man. You know, I've uh, been waiting for this for a little while. You're actually, I think, one of our first guests to talk about cost segregation. So super excited to dive into that. Before we do, we'd like to kick the show off by hearing more about you, the guest. So tell us more about your, your background, your story, and how you became a cost segregation expert. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, my kids joke with me when they, I ask them what they want to be when they grow up. They're like, Dad, did you ever think that you were going to be a cost seg expert when you grew up? <laughs> I said, no, that was not in my plan. But um, kind of just fell into it. So my background is in accounting. Um, I was never really good at English in school and math always came easy. So I said, okay, it's either finance or accounting to get me out of this college thing. So um, ended up in accounting and then kind of fell into a sales career, business development. And um, took that job took me away from Salt Lake, where I was born and raised to the East Coast, um, lived out there for about 15 years. And then was looking to come back to Salt Lake, um, looking for jobs, always interested in real estate came across uh, this job, didn't really understand what cost segregation was. I had to do watch a few YouTube videos before my interview here to find out what the hell I was doing um, or what I was applying for, I should say. And uh, the rest is history. So I've been doing this for about six years. Love it. Um, love working with real estate investors, CPAs across the country on um, minimizing tax liability any way possible. And uh, so it's been a great career. Um, love doing it. Yeah, love to hear that, man. That's a great story. By the way, Salt Lake, great area, man. Uh, love to hear that. You know, so, but as we get in this conversation here, uh, you know, we talked about you're a cost segregation expert. That's what we're going to talk about today. So I think it would be really beneficial uh, to our audience if we could really just dive into what cost segregation study is, just to make sure everybody's, you know, on track. So, uh, you know, many of our listeners are probably familiar with uh, with it, or at least, you know, are aware of it and how they can apply cool. it to a property. But if we could just give us the one-on-one on cost segregation. Yeah, so cost segregation really in its simplest form is just accelerated depreciation. So that's, that's what we're trying to accomplish. So um, as most of your listeners know, one of the benefits of owning real estate is being able to take the deductions against your income in terms of depreciation. So typically commercial property is depreciated over 39 years and residential property is depreciated over 27 and a half. And so what we do is we kind of say, well, instead of taking, you know, 139th or 127th, 
what if we can accelerate those deductions so that we get them in the early years? Meaning, I don't know if I'm going to own my property in you know 30 years from now. So let me get my deductions now. And that way I can free up cash flow to then, you know, invest in new properties, pay down debt. There's a number of reasons why you'd want to take your deductions today. And the way we do that is through um, an engineering-based study called cost segregation. And if you think about it, Danny, when you buy, let's say you buy an apartment building, you're not just buying the walls and the land. You're also buying a whole bunch of appliances, some carpet, some countertops, some cabinets. The IRS says that all those items should be depreciated over five years, not 27 and a half. But the problem is, is we just, you know, we get a closing statement. We pay $2 million for the apartment building. We give the closing statement to our CPA. The CPA has no way of being able to break out or segregate those costs. They don't know what the value of those appliances are or the value of the you know, X amount of square footage of carpet. And so that's what we're really do is we partner with CPAs to determine, you know, when you buy a $2 million building, we're going to go in and say, okay, well, of that 2 million, 80,000 was for the parking lot and 40,000 was for the flooring and another 30,000 was for the appliances. And we segregate those costs into different buckets that allow us to depreciate them at a much faster schedule than the typical 27 and a half or 39 years. Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds like it'd be a real benefit to investors, right? I mean, I know personally for me from from dealing with a passive investor and dealing with, you know, uh, the sponsors having cost segregation studies done. I know it's going to be a, a huge benefit. So, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, um, you know, accelerated depreciation. And I know there's something uh, out there right now, uh, bonus depreciation, right? Right now you'll be able to take 100% bonus bonus depreciation. And just so can can you kind of just talk about uh, bonus depreciation depreciation for a second so our listeners can make sure that they, they understand what that is and how it applies and what that looks like going forward? Because I know some of the policy is changing in the, in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, it definitely is. So uh, bonus depreciation really takes cost segregation and puts it on steroids. So uh, bonus depreciation has been around for a number of years. It's a kind of a lever that the government uses to stimulate the economy. So if the economy is going great, then they lower the bonus percentage. If the economy is not going great, then they increase the bonus percentage. And really, I, I, to be honest, I don't know that they ever intended for it to fall into real estate because some of the, the bonus rules are you only get to take bonus depreciation on assets that have a depreciable life of 20 years or less. So you think I think their intent was for construction companies to go out and buy a new bulldozer, for manufacturing companies to go out and buy new equipment. And when you buy new equipment, you get to accelerate those deductions even faster under the bonus rules. But if you think about it, when you have a cost segregation study done, we've got everything in that 27 and a half year bucket. But if you pay to have a study done, now we're separating that into five, seven and 15 year buckets. And those all fall under that 20 year threshold. And so now all those are eligible for bonus. And just to kind of explain what bonus is, is when we go into a multifamily unit, for example, and we say, okay, there's, you know, you paid $2 million for it, and there's $200,000 worth of five-year assets out of that $2 million. Those five-year assets typically would be depreciated over five years. So you're taking roughly one-fifth of it, just to make it simple, every year for the next five years. But with bonus depreciation, you get to take under the current tax law, 100% of those deductions in the first year. So you're not spreading them out over five years. You're not spreading them out over seven or even 15. You're taking 100% of that in the first year, which is just, it's huge to say the least. And so, um, you know, Trump, there was this part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. This bonus depreciation came about um, because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was the Trump tax overhaul back in 
the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. And, you know, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, whether you like him or not, but <laughs> the guy owns real estate. And when he came up with these new tax provisions, they were very favorable to real estate investors. And so um, bonus depreciation, like you mentioned, anything purchased between September 27th of 2017 and December 31st of this year, 2022, is eligible for that 100% bonus. Anything purchased next year in 2023, it drops to 80% bonus, meaning you'll get 80% of those deductions in the first year. The remaining 20% gets spread out over the next five, seven, or 15 years. And then it goes, it drops 20% every year until 2027 when it's down to zero or until the tax law changes. So sure. Yeah, that's very interesting. You know, and it sounds like, I mean, if you combine all these things, right, you have, uh, you know, the um, accelerated depreciation you get from a cost segregation study and then match that with bonus depreciation. That's huge, right? Even if say the bonus depreciation isn't at hundred percent, which I mean, hundred percent is massive, right? But if you get right. even, at, even at 80%, that's still pretty good. You know, that's not, that's not terrible. So being able to combine these things, if you're a real estate investor, why not? Right. It really makes yeah. sense. So, yeah, so I, so I do have a question in terms of that, you know, uh, I've heard uh, a number of, you know, listen to a lot of podcasts and all that stuff, listen about cost segregation, reading stuff. Um, does it, does it make sense to apply a cost segregation study to all asset types? I mean, say if I'm talking, you know, apartments, uh, self-storage or single family, or maybe even short-term rentals. I mean, what does that look like in terms of where cost segregation should be done? Who should be doing these? Sure. Um, you know, cost segregation technically can be done on any revenue generating property. Gotcha. Now, whether or not it makes sense is a different story. And so most cost segregation companies will provide what they call a free benefit analysis, where they'll take a look at the property, run some initial numbers, and then let the investor know, hey, we think we're on, on average, we're going to get X amount of depreciation, which is going to result in X amount of tax savings. Here's what our fee would be. And then you can decide with your CPA whether or not it makes sense for your specific um, financial or tax situation. But in terms of the different categories, like on average, we usually segregate somewhere around 30%. So again, if you buy, let's say you buy a, a building for a million two, and let's say land is worth 200,000, because I, I failed to mention, you don't get to depreciate land. So land is non-depreciable. So sure. you buy a building for 1.2, you've got 200,000 of land, that leaves you a million dollars worth of depreciable basis. Typically, a cost segregation study should get you around 30% segregation, meaning we're going to find about $300,000 of that million that's going to be qualified as short-term assets. Again, five-year assets are your interior you know, uh, cabinets, countertops, flooring, et cetera. Um, and then your 15-year assets are your exterior land improvements, curbs, gutters, asphalt, concrete, irrigation, fencing, those things on the outside. So again, we'll find about 30%. Now that number varies based on the asset class, like you mentioned. You know, you think about a big empty warehouse, you're probably not going to get 30% segregation, but you should get, you know, somewhere around 20, 25 easily. You know, you got a lot of parking, a lot of concrete, a lot of asphalt, maybe some specialty plumbing for different pieces of machinery that are going into the building or specialty electrical work. Um, so it varies anywhere from about 20%. We see as high as 40% on some assets, you know. Uh, multifamily are great because there's a lot of personal property. Think of all the cabinets, countertops, appliances that, you know, you're talking about multiple units. And um, there's some real unique categories. Gas stations are kind of a unique category. If you need a big write-off, um, I suggest you go buy a gas station if you don't mind <laughs> selling gas. Because gas stations can, not always, but can be classified as a 15-year asset, the whole thing. Wow. 
So you're looking at, you know, you buy it for a million bucks and it's a 15 year asset and you get a member bonus applies to any asset with a 20 year life or less. So you can get 100% write off of basically your whole purchase price in terms wow. of a deduction in the first year. So gas stations, car washes and mobile home parks are kind of in that unique category where they're really good. If you've got a high income year and you can go buy a car wash, you know, you can offset a good portion of your income depending on your tax situation. So but usually somewhere between 20 to 35 is kind of the main range that we typically see our studies come back in. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you uh, diving into it there. So I have a question. So say I go out and buy, I buy an apartment or whatever, right? Something that I know that I'm going to you know, have somebody hire to do a cost segregation study. Where does that fit in the process? Say I purchase it today. When do I look to go get a cost segregation study done? Oh, that's a, that's a great question that we get asked quite often, especially when there's renovations involved. So hmm. Cost segregation, well, I'll start with the first question. When should I get it done? Cost segregation can be done. It's nice because it's extremely flexible. And so you want to use cost segregation in years that you have high income and you find yourself in those higher tax brackets because cost segregation should be used to manage those tax brackets. And so you don't have to do it in the year you bought it. You can wait. So if I buy a building this year, but I'm in a low tax bracket or I don't have significant income, I can hold that in my back pocket and I can use it three years from now when, you know, my income is significantly higher um, because that's going to allow me to reduce my taxable income in those higher tax brackets, which mm. means the tax savings is greater. Now, there's all different kinds of strategies. We have investors who they close on a building and they call me the next day and say, here's the closing statement. Let's do a cost saving study, right? <laughs> um, so you, a lot of times investors will do it at the beginning especially syndicators, because they want to pass those deductions down through the through the K-1s. Um, but even if you've owned, here's a, a unique situation, even if you've owned a building, let's say you bought a building in 2016 and have never done cost seg, you can do cost seg today on your 2021 taxes, and you don't have to amend a return. And that's the great okay. thing. That's what It's really flexible. There's a tax form that you have to fill out. We provide it as part of our service. It's a 3115 change in accounting method. But basically, it tells the IRS, I've been taking my standard straight line deduction. I'm now going to accelerate my depreciation. And here's the difference between those two numbers. And you get to drop that big number on your current tax return, which is great. Um, so that you can really, like I said, I guess the, the answer to your question, the long answer to your question is you can do it at any time. If we knew what your tax brackets were going to be, what your income was going to be, what the tax law was going to be, we could come up and say, this is the exact year you should do it. But there's a lot of variables and you want to just talk with your CPA but really, the whole idea is use it to manage those tax brackets to get you out of the higher tax brackets. Gotcha. That's that the first sense. question. The, or the first answer. The second answer would be with renovations. Um, if mm. you buy a vacant building and then you go put 100000 into it, you should do the cost sake study after you've done the renovations. And you'll be able to depreciate your purchase price plus the 100000 um, if you buy a building and let's say I buy an apartment and there's already tenants in there, my goal is the whole time I'm going to gut this place and, and re, um, revamp it, make it nicer. When I buy that property, because there's tenants in there, technically that building is in service. Sure. And because it's in service, I get to take depreciation on all the assets that are in there. So when you buy a building and you've got tenants in there or you've got a lease agreement, you want to do the cost sake study before you do the renovations because we're going to go in and put a value to all the cabinets, countertops, flooring. You're going to be able to write those off. And then when you gut it in a year and put new countertops, cabinets, and flooring in it, you get to depreciate the new set of cabinets as well. And so you're kind of getting a two for one by doing the cost sake before you do the renovations and then again after. 
the key there is that it has to be in service. So if you buy a vacant building, it's not really considered in service. And so, but if you've got a lease agreement, um, you know, we feel like it's in service, you should be able to take those deductions against that, um, against the items that were in there when you purchased it. Awesome. And that's a great breakdown. I really paints a great picture there, Eric. So I appreciate you going to that, that level of detail. So I have a question. Let's just do another scenario. I buy an apartment building. It's got tenants in it. Um, I'm going to do some renovations. I contact you. Hey, Eric, um, ready to do a cost segregation study. How long does that take? What does it look like from beginning to end? Cost segregation is done. Yeah. So we'll do, we'll, we'll run the benefit analysis, give you an idea of what your expected tax savings will be, uh, give you an idea of what our fee would be. You'll get with your CPA, make sure that it makes sense. Um, we can join on the call as well. You know, once we've determined it makes sense, then the next step is to gather the necessary documents. Um, so things like closing statements, depreciation schedules, appraisals, inspection reports, um, blueprints if it's new construction, improvement costs, we'll gather those documents. From there, we'll schedule a site visit. So the site visits can be done one of two ways. We can either do them virtually where it's similar to like a Zoom call uh, where we've got a video conferencing app where we've got our engineers on one end, the property manager on the other end, we're walking the property together, asking to see certain components of the building. Um, For larger projects that we do those site visits in person where we actually send out one of our engineers to the property. They'll walk the property, take the measurements, look at everything that we're looking for. Once the site visit's complete, it usually takes about three weeks for us to compile those numbers and put costs to all the items that we found within the building. And then our deliverable back to you, the client, is about a 40 page, 40 to 50 page report that has everything broken out. Um, quite honestly, the CPA doesn't care about anything but the final page of our report. They're going <laughs> to skip past everything else. The final page of our report is a revised depreciation schedule. And those are the numbers they're going to input into their tax software. And from there, that's how the deduction will be realized. The report itself is really just a backup document. If anyone were ever to question, why did you use mm. this number for the carpet? We've got a, a backup document to, to prove why we did that. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you explaining that. That sounds like yeah. a, a pretty laborious process on your end, but very advantageous for you know real estate investors for sure. So yeah. you know, with that with that being in mind, you know, we've talked about uh, um, depreciation. We've talked about uh, you know cost segregation studies, and then we know you know when you go and you you do take this cost segregate cost segregation study, excuse me, and then you apply the bonus the appreciate depreciation, take that as on your tax return. You know, you go to sell the asset a couple of years later, you're going to have, uh, you know, depreciation recapture, right? Sure. Uh, can, can you talk a little about a little bit about depreciation recapture, uh, what that means and what that looks like in the process? Yeah, yeah, that's the that's a, an interesting question because we get that quite often. Um, and I think there's a lot of misinformation out there around depreciation recapture. People are always scared of it. They're like, you know, my CPA told me I just have to pay all these deductions back, so I'm not going to do cost um, so let me kind of, I'll try to keep it as high level as I can and not get in the weeds too much. But the idea is you're going to take your deduction today against your ordinary income. So let's say a big high earner like you, you know, you're probably in that high tax bracket, 39 for 37%. You're going to take your deduction against your 37% income. And when you pay that back, let's say you sell it in five years and you pay it back, you're paying it back at a lower recapture rate at 25% or even a capital gains rate of 20% and you're saving the spread. So take your deduction at the high rate, pay back a portion of it at a lower rate at a future date and save the spread. Now that portion piece is kind of interesting because this is a piece that I think is oftentimes overlooked. Let me ask you a question, Annie. So you have a, you buy a property, let's say you buy it for 500,000. You sell it five years later for a million. You don't do a cost seg study. 
So when you go to settle up with the IRS on that transaction, you're going to say, okay, I bought it for five. It's now worth a million. I'm going to have to pay gains on that gain. You're, so you're telling the IRS everything doubled in value. Your walls are worth double. Your land is worth double. And so is my dirty old carpet that's all stained, right? <laughs> that I've owned for five years. Yeah. That's just not, that's what you're telling the IRS. And you're paying tax on that. You're saying, I bought this carpet for 5,000 bucks. It's doubled in value over time. I'm now selling it for 10. And they're going to charge you capital gain on that. It's crazy. And so by doing a cost segregation, and this is kind of backing into that depreciation recapture question, but by doing cost segregation, when you have these items segregated, carpet doesn't go up in value. Carpet goes down in value, right? And so we can back those numbers out of the recapture. You can manage the recapture upon sale and allocate your sales price to the right buckets versus mm -hmm. allocating your sales price to just this one big asset saying the whole thing doubled in value. If we can say parts of it doubled in value, you know, the land is worth more, the structure is worth more, but certainly not my dirty old carpet. It didn't double in value. So that's that piece where you take your deduction at a high rate, pay back a portion of it, and that portion is dependent upon how long you own the asset, sure. pay back a portion at a lower rate at a future date. And so just to kind of finalize that, what is your five-year carpet worth after owning the building for five years? It's worth zero. It's a five-year right. asset. The IRS says it should be depreciated down to zero, has zero book value. So don't sell your carpet. If, to simplify, <laughs> if you get anything out of what I just said, don't sell your dirty carpet for more than you bought it for. <laughs> and if you're not doing cost segregation, that's exactly what you're doing, and you're paying an extra tax on that. And so that's a long answer to that depreciation recapture question. No, man, that is a great explanation. I, I appreciate that for sure. That really breaks it down. And I love the point you said, don't be afraid of the uh, uh, depreciation recapture. You know, it's just one of those things, not something to really be scared of. You know, there's a oh. ways to kind of mitigate that. And I, I love the way you break it down, man. And so, you know, I got another question for you real quick. Um, sure. you, you know, say again, I'm a, I'm, I've just bought an apartment complex or maybe I'm thinking about buying an apartment complex, but I know I'm going to have to do a cost segregation study. What are some good questions to ask when I'm looking to select a cost uh, cost segregation uh, provider, maybe like yourself? Sure. Um, so really, there's, there's a number of good cost segregation providers out there. Um, I would say there's a lot of do-it-yourself cost segregation, and I would advise... <laughs> They're a lot cheaper. So there's two kinds of studies. There's do-it-yourself cost seg where you go online, you input some information, and 10 minutes later, it spits you out a report. Sure. Um, the cost is very low on those reports. I mean, you can get them done for, I've seen $350 up to $700 for a do-it-yourself cost seg. The problem is, is they don't really stand up to the IRS. And so what they do is they are very, very conservative on their results. And so as opposed to getting an engineering-based study where you pay us a little bit more because we're kind of reverse engineering your building. It's worth every extra dollar that you're going to pay to get an engineering-based study versus doing it yourself. Because again, I said we usually get around 30% segregation. I've seen those do-it-yourself cost seg studies come back anywhere from 12 to 18% on the high end. So you're leaving 12% wow. additional depreciation, which depending on the size of your asset and your tax bracket, that could equate to tens to, I've seen hundreds of thousands of dollars of tax difference. And so pay the extra money, number one, pay the extra money to get an engineering-based study done. But then in terms of the engineering-based study, just some, some basic things, you want to make sure they're experienced. Um, you know, cost segregation, you would think it's this finite process that if I got five studies done, they're all going to put the value of the carpet roughly the same. And that's just not the case. It's kind of like if you were to take your tax return to five different CPAs, based on their knowledge or their interpretation of the tax law, you're going to get five different tax returns, right? You're going to owe the IRS five different numbers. 
And so it's very similar in terms of cost segregation. So just make sure they're experienced. Um, a lot of cost segregation companies will outsource their engineering work. Um, I found that the ones that keep it in-house tend to get a little better results. Um, and then really, like I said, just experience and you know look for referrals. It's just kind of your basic, same way you would pick a heart physician or a, <laughs> a CPA for that matter, right? Um, you don't want to go into a blind. You don't want to take the lowest cost provider. You know, look at the whole picture and say, okay, what's my tax savings versus what the fee is going to be? Because yeah, this fee is a little bit higher, but guess what? I'm saving an extra 10 grand on taxes. So I'll pay the extra thousand for the study. And some people don't see that. They just see the cost of the study and they just go with the lowest cost provider. And um, sometimes that can be disappointing. So uh, hopefully that answers your question. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think it's one of those things for me personally, you know, you recognize where, where your strengths are, right? And I know that I've never done a cost segregation study myself. So why would I try to do it myself? You know, it's right. one of those things, <laughs> leave it up to you guys, leave it up to the pros. You guys are probably going to save me, like you said, tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars on my taxes. So why not? You know, I'm not going to go in there and jeopardize my, this investment because I just want to save a few pennies. It doesn't make any right. sense, right? Because you really, you're not going to save a few pennies in no. the long run. So no, um, you end up losing money. You're right. Don't step over a dollar to save a penny. No, <laughs> yes. Don't, I always say that saying backwards, don't step over a dollar to save a penny. Right. <laughs> and I see people do it all the time. Um, you know, we've had to redo studies before and it's amazing. I actually have a client, we redid studies. She got 16% segregation by doing it herself or not doing it herself, using an online service. Um, and we got 34% segregation. And so it was worth it for her to pay for us to do a second study because the tax savings that we were able to generate covered her cost plus some. And so, um, yeah, that's, that, that's massive, man. I love to hear that, you know, and the fact that you're, you know, kind of in this real estate space and, uh, helping investors kind of be able to take, uh, you know, these benefits and apply them. Right. And it's really right. a huge benefit to, to real estate investors, but, uh, Eric, man, really, I've learned a lot today about cost. Seg. I really appreciate you going over it. Uh, before we get out of here, tell us more about your company, your services, the services you provide and anything else you have going on. Yeah. So, um, my company, we Cost Segregation Authority is our company. Um, you can find us at costsegauthority.com. That's C-O-S-T-S-E-G authority.com. Um, my contact information is on there. Feel free to use this as a resource. Um, we don't do tax returns at our firm, so don't call and ask me questions about earned business income or, you know, I am in Utah, but I don't know much about child tax credits. So, um, you know, but if you have a depreciation, to give us a call. We're happy to help you. If we don't know the answers, we've got resources where we can get you the answer. Um, you know, we don't bill by the hour or anything crazy like that. So my contact information's on there. Feel free to give me a call, shoot me an email. I'm happy to help investors any way we can. So awesome, Eric. Really appreciate that, man. Thanks for taking the time uh, to be on the show today. Yep. Thanks for having me. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.